Hello sailors and welcome to another episode of Offshore Sailing and Cruising with Paul Trammell. Well today I've got another interview for you with Guy DeBoer. Guy is an entrant in the 2022 Golden Globe race. He will be sailing around the world single-handed non-stop uh, in a Toshiba 36. So the race only allows old-fashioned full keel boats between 32 and 36 feet and it only allows technology from 1968 so so guy and all the rest will be navigating with uh, a sextant as always i'll post photos and links to anything we talk about on my website paultrammell.com and also on my website you can find links to patreon if you want to support the podcast and links to all the books i've written if you like to read you can support the podcast by buying any of my books all right so let's get right to it this is my interview with guy DeBoer. hello guy Hey, Paul. Welcome hey, back. Hey, hey, how you doing? So well. So how are things going? Oh, things are going really well. Um, you know, a couple of hiccups here or there. I was planning to be able to leave um, for France May 1. Yep. That became June 1, and now it's going to be June 7th through the 11th. But I'm pretty confident I'll get a, I'll get get out and heading heading out uh, within you know the next two weeks. Okay, and what's that? A one month sail to to France? Um, yeah, thirty thirty five days. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna take one of my um, friends, um, Carlson, part of those shakedown. Okay. And uh, and then drop him off there before sailing off to France. But, Great. So um, what's so what's left to do on your boat? Uh, not very much, actually. Uh, the the sails arrived. They have the, they're back at the sailmaker. So a couple little tweaks, gloves are a little too long, and things like that. But nothing nothing horrible. They look great. And um, I got to climb the mast in the next couple of days. Put on my lazy jack blocks and um, do a few little things. Um, we couldn't get the windex when we put the mast up to uh, to go, so I got to climb the mast and put the windex up, up, up as well. Okay. Um, the food, uh, the freeze dried has arrived, and everything else uh, comes in on Monday. Uh -huh. So it's got to be put in its individual weekly bags. I'm bagging the food up by the week. Uh huh. So you 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 get it out of a waterproof uh, plastic bag that's been sealed. And then okay. put it uh, into a into a bin under in the galley. So you open it up by the week, so to speak. All right. And How work many weeks? It that way. How many weeks of food? Are well, you I mean, I'm I'm going to bring um, a total of uh, thirty. Let me think about this. Thirty-four weeks. I'm bringing two hundred days of food. To win the race, you have to do the race in two hundred days, and I'm bringing two hundred days. Really? So you're, so you, so you might run out of now, food if you don't, uh, if you don't win the well, race. You're gonna, you're gonna go thing, hungry. <laughs> you're, you're gonna, my friends, you're gonna win or starve. My, my friends have uh, convinced me to bring more calories than I need. Okay. So as the race progresses, um, I'm sure one, I'll have more food each week than I can eat. Okay. You know. So, uh, but. Um, you know, 
But the thought process is the same thing for food and cigars. I'm only bringing 200 cigars, one a day. <laughs> okay, good. That's some motivation to uh, get, get out there and mm-hmm. trim those sails, get going a little faster. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Personal motivation, yeah. Yeah, so, so describe what you're going to eat. What's what's a, a weekly supply of food look like? Well, I went I went with I went with freeze dried food uh, for a combination of uh, the variety that's allowed or that's out there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm bringing 22 different meals and then two different breakfasts. Okay. And um, so my my diet consists of I'm going to eat two freeze dried breakfasts a week. A week. And then the other day a week. Oh, okay. The yeah, like one, every, one every day, but something different. No, 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 breakfast. No. In other words, breakfast, I'm only bringing two freeze dries. And then the other breakfast is I, I, I eat grits, oatmeal, or, or cream of wheat. Oh, I got you. Okay. So you will All be right. eating breakfast every and then, day. Uh, yeah, I plan on eating something. Okay, I got you. Something now. every day. And then... Um, and then the, the daytime hours, I sort of graze with granola bars, a little bit of beef jerky, peanuts. Yep. Um, I eat raisins, things like that. And yep. then in dinner, I have 22 different dinners. So it's almost... It's, nice. Hey, how's it doing? It's uh, somebody sitting... Not a bar. <laughs> uh, <Okay>. Somebody... <laughs> um, so... It's almost like I, I eat a different dinner almost every every night of the week. See what I'm saying? Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So it's freeze dried, but but hopefully I won't um, I won't totally tire because I'm eating the same thing every single night. Right. And then once a month I have a can of spam so I can fry up some spam. And uh, what's the other thing I have that's a little different? That's your big treat, huh? Your big mm. once a month treat, can of spam. Yeah, yeah. And then I have one can of like pork and beans uh, a week, as an example, so I can eat eat that. Yep. What about what about canned chili? So, that's, uh, my, that's my favorite thing to eat when I need something quick. Well, I, that's sort of a freeze dried thing. You've got some freeze dried chili. Yeah, there's, okay. there's a lot. Good. There's a lot of freeze dried, you know, chili type things. Good. So that's Good. Uh, that's that's my diet. So I okay. don't have a stove at all, per se. I brought two jet boils, uh-huh. and I have a, a small little cooking skillet that is used just for frying spam or, you know, in the Atlantic when I can catch a mahi. Anything yep. I catch a tuna is going to be sushi, so I don't have an issue with that. Oh, okay. You're going to eat the fish raw, huh? Mm-hmm. Sushi, damn. I mean, tuna, damn. Damn well, yeah. Yeah. So, if, if you catch fish, do you have a way of preserving what you catch, what you can't eat in, in one sitting? Do you have a refrigerator? No, actually, I never didn't. Look, no, 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 nothing like that. So, catch a small mahi, cook it up, and eat it. Yeah, uh, catch the whole a tuna thing. And, and eat the whole thing. I think you'll try yeah, to... you're not catching anything big. Yeah. I, um... I mean, when when you trail something, uh, what have you been catching? How big about? Well, I've, I typically uh, catch about one mahi per passage, and that makes about six meals, you know, a two-foot mahi, not even a big one. It's still quite a okay. bit of meat. 
So you're you're a much bigger you guy catch, than me. You only catch one per trip. That's that's been about that's been my average. Yeah. Yeah. One. Well, all right. So you see, it's not that important. You know, you yeah. have refrigeration or something. I can't keep it. I gotta cook it. Whatever I cook, I cook it up and eat it. Yeah. You, you could you could try to to dry it. You know, and make fish jerky. Uh, I've you know it's. Mm. It's possible. No, I'm got it's, doesn't to sound do. good. Cruising, you know? <laughs> doesn't sound good yeah, at all. Fish, yeah. dried fish jerky, but uh, you know, it can be done. <laughs> uh, what about anyway? Um, so that's, that's my food. All right. And uh, how much water can you can you bring? How much water can you hold? Well, I mean, I carry two fifty tank stainless steel water tanks, port and starboard. Okay. Um, you know, I'm probably going to carry maybe another. 15 in blue jerry cans just to see how it goes. Yep. And then I got to catch the rest of rainwater. Yep. Have you practiced catching rainwater? Do you have a system? Well, I mean, I've talked to a number of people. The primary source is going to be under the boom. Yep. You know, so um, I'll, uh, I'll be bringing multiple buckets and figuring it out as I go. You're going to bring a, a tarp for that purpose? Um, I have a tarp for the to. boat primarily because it's about the hull. But, you know, I, I think the tarp problem, um, uh, well, I mean, if it's, if it's moderate, you know, moderate air, I think the bucket's going to do a good enough job. What, have you, what experience have you had? I have not caught water while underway. Um, while, while at Anchor in Panama, I always had a tarp set up and buckets. Okay under the eave of the tarp and that caught plenty of water okay. but i've never tried it underway yeah. um and I, th and I think you're right i think underneath your boom you know raise the topping lift a little bit you know bag the sail a little bit um no i can't do that don't have a topping oh no topping <laughs> lift. well no and i mean you know it's uh it's, you know half the time half the time it, it might just be i've got a reef in the main anyway so um, but we'll, like I said, we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. I, I don't, I'm not expecting water to be my problem. When the people in the Golden Globe race have water issues, I think one, they're, they're not very um, judicious about the use of the water. And mm -hmm. two, they think they go up in the lighter wind categories where they think that they might rain and it doesn't, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So, so we'll see. Okay. Yep. So last time we spoke, you were hoping to get a new mast with two spreaders. Um, how did that work out? Well, it's a combination. I didn't have a money for new mast. All right. Mm -hmm. uh, but my column was very small. In fact, the more I thought about it, the column that I that came with the boat, I think, is stronger than you could buy one today. Oh yeah of that size range, I think. So, but I had my mask re-engineered. So Buzz Ballinger in California, I sent him out my old spreaders and spreader bar, and he re-engineered the boat to be a double spreader. Okay. He built me new first spreaders and a spreader bar and cut down. This a lot. I didn't expect that much in. I'm sorry. Yeah. Talking to Oasis. Um, uh, and um, and uh, uh, so the the old first the old spreaders became the upper spreaders. 
And okay. then the ones he built for me look like caveman clubs. I mean, they're <laughs> they're so fucking overbuilt. Uh-huh. And then I went ahead and uh, and wrapped the mast at all of its all of its connection points and reinforced it. Okay. So where the shrouds come in, where the spreaders come in, it's got an additional uh, series forty aluminum wrapping around the mast. It's fifty two hundred and pop riveted in. So I'm totally confident that my mast is strong. Oh, I also cut the mast a meter and a half. Cut it a meter and a half shorter. Yeah. Is that is so, that a? Um, uh, mm-hmm. Well, I mean, Jean Luc, the guy who won the race, when he rolled his boat, yep. he damaged his mast, but he didn't lose it. Everybody yep. else who who rolled their boat. Uh, lost their mass, and he said that the number one reason his mass stayed in place is because he shortened it. Yeah. Yep. So when you have a mainsail made with a really big roach, you lose virtually no sail area. Oh, okay. So even though my mass is shorter, mm-hmm. I have virtually the same sail area that I had before. Okay. And you just got new sails, right? Mm-hmm. Brand new UK sails out of Miami. They're all designed and put together, designed and cut in uh, in Chicago, but so uh, sewed together in Miami. Okay. And <clears throat> excuse me. And what did you get? Did you get a, a mainsail, a Genoa stay sail? Well, here I have uh, three new headsails uh, for the for the main headstay. The main headstay we call the J one. Yeah, three. So I have a light number one that is that is like a one seven. It's uh-huh. only made out of four ounce stack on it. It's a light air sail. Uh huh. And then I have a uh, um, a full um, uh, 125% um, uh, raised clue Yankee, if you want to call it that, which mm-hmm. is about a hundred and forty percent head sail if it didn't have a bowsprit. And then wow. I had a heavier jib made for the outer head stay. Okay. Then I have a stasel. My uh-huh. stasel was made like a storm sail, so I never have to kick it off. Oh, great. So you're going to fly the stasel most of the time probably, huh? Well, I mean, we'll see, we, we shall see. Uh-huh. You know, I don't know. I mean, I think, I think a lot of times when people think about the Southern Ocean, they think it's a lot windier than I think than it actually is on a day-to-day basis. Oh, yeah? Well, day-to-day, mm-hmm. you know, the storms come through, they're as bad as they ever were. But I I, I, I imagine sailing quite a bit in 30 knots of breeze, so um, That's pretty I would have one of my other... Yeah, but not on a broad reach. <laughs> yeah, you're right. right. Or a dead run, you know. Right. So, right. um... Then I have a, uh, a, a a symmetrical and an asymmetrical finish. Ah, okay. How are you going to generate your electricity? Well, originally I was going to put two solar panels and live with that, and because uh, mm-hmm. I, I I couldn't justify spending the money on a uh, on a, a watt and seek. Yep. And as everything has been happening to me in this uh, in this pre- preparation, of when you least expect it, someone shows up with a check. 
Aha. Well, that's good. So I have a 175-watt solar panel, and I now have a watt in the sink. Oh, great. Have you used it? No. No, okay. it's, it's hooked up, but we haven't finished the last. So the boat's only sailed that little one. We went out just to, just to fit the sails. Uh-huh. And uh, so we haven't done, done anything really with the boat yet. So Okay. And we'll, we'll get that done in, in the next week. All right. And how about your bowsprit? Have you, you've, uh, I believe you've made it, you've had a new one built? Put the bowsprit Yeah, a new on. stainless steel bowsprit. Yep. Bowsprit uh -huh. with the uh, pulpit welded right onto it. Excellent. And it's rock solid. Cool. Very happy have, with that. Yeah. And have you, have you noticed a difference? Have you been able to sail with the bowsprit and compare the performance of the boat to before you had the bowsprit? Well, on? you know. You know, I'm going to say no. In other oh. words, I was happy with the way the balance was. Yeah. It was my sailmaker who convinced me otherwise. Uh-huh. And it, it was just, he said, Guy, um, the farther you can get the tack of any sail, let it be a spinnaker or a headsail, uh, you're going to go faster. Okay. And I said, okay. And it made Bob Perry happy. Bob was pretty pissed off at me. <laughs> and uh, he was. Now, I understand, Bob used to write for my for my magazine back in the 90s, so I've known Bob a long time. Uh -huh. And, of course, his sarcastic ass goes, well, Guy, I wish you were around in the 80s, and I, I would have asked you, did I need a bowsprit on the boat or not? <laughs> <You know? laughs> and I'm going, Bob, I'm experimenting. Allow me the option to experiment. <laughs> so when the decision is made, you know, it was like I had to call him up and go, I hope you don't mind if I put a bowsprit back on. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't want the wooden one, you know. So, sure. You know, one of my biggest fears is 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 being hit by a ship, a ship or a fishing boat. Yeah. And sure. So, the wooden bowsprit would snap. Yep. And I'd be out of the race. Mm -hmm. A stainless steel sprit will bend. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So that's you know, my rationale. Exactly. Well, that happened to Bernard Matessier. He got hit by a boat, bent his bowsprit, um, and he was able to bend it back with block and tackle. Yeah. So yeah, it can happen. So, so the rig's coming along. Like I said, I'm actually climbing the mast later today to – to do some things up on it and stuff. Mm -hmm. A portable welder came and he welded the, uh, the boat never had a, uh, a real bang on it before. Uh -huh. um, so I got a, he came and welded the, the attachment point to the bang, under the bang. That happened this morning. Okay. And in the next few days, everything will be done and we can actually empty the boat out and pressure wash it. Pressure and, wash uh, start the inside? It. You're going to pressure wash the inside? Well, of the build. The, the oh, build. Yeah, okay. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. <laughs> well, I've done it three, three times already. I'm just going to do it again. Why not? Yep. Yeah. So, what, so, yeah. so, what sort of things besides stainless steel bowsprit and double spreader mast, what other sorts of things have you done to make the boat stronger? Uh, well, I replaced the chain plates, but I didn't do any reinforcements. The, re the chain plates, the way Bob designed the boat, it's strong as, as, as hell. It's a really strong boat. 
Uh-huh. I mean, if you go on my Facebook, I, I posted something, and Bob copied it and posted on his fan page uh-huh. to say, no one could say better words about my design. And I, so I, I sent that thing, basically, I sent it that actually to Bob, is that, you know, your design rocks, you know, it's yep. the strongest, safest, most comfortable boat. I have no, no um, um, reservations about it. You know, it was, it is. It's, uh, for the purpose of what I'm doing, it's, it's the best. And it's the fastest boat allowed in the, in the Golden Globe. So. Right. Yeah, and, that, and that's, that is based on waterline length, right? No, it's based on a whole bunch of different factors. So okay. Bob, Bob, what else? Bob, Bob did an analysis of all the boats. Uh-huh. And Mark Mills, who's a Grand Prix designer, uh-huh. I don't know if you know him. He's out of Ireland. Uh, he, 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 I gave him all the specs of all the boats and everything. And he ran sort of a, a little bit of a, a, a velocity prediction program. Um, but yeah, no, my, my boat is not built, is not designed like an Atkins hull. Mm-hmm. What, what, what design do you sail again? Mine's a Cartwright 40. All right. And tell me when, when you, uh, when you, when, when in your midsections in, in the, in the keel area, does your hull sort of look like, if you look at it from the bow, look like a wine glass? Um, let's see. The, in other words, it carries a lot of displacement to the, to the top of the keel. My, my keel is like vertical. It doesn't, it doesn't flare out as it reaches the hull. It, um, Sort of, there's sort of a sharp angle where it meets the hull. Is that is that what you mean? All right. Okay. Well, yeah. So, so in other words, it almost looks like your keel was attached after the hull was made, right? Yes, you could imagine that. It's not. It's it's um. Yeah. You know, well, that's exactly right. So that's how a race boat is designed. Yeah. Okay. For less less. A, a race boat you come with the hull form, and then they, you stick a racing keel underneath it. Okay. Yep. My yep. boat looks the exact same way. So in other words, yep. if you look like a traditional, you know, double-ended boat, the displacement yep. is carried very deep in the hull, near the keel. The top of the keel is very fat yes. and stuff. It's a very sea-kindly thing. But the hull depth at the waterline is actually pretty shallow. Mm-hmm. And, the, and so you don't, have, you don't have buoyancy there, which creates, um, which creates uh, um, um, uh, buoyancy. So my hull is much stiffer than these other designs. Mm-hmm. So I can carry a more sail area and mm-hmm. carry it longer than these other boats. So that's one reason why. Okay. You know. um, my, the forefoot of my bow is a lot flatter than these other boats. Mm-hmm. So they hobby horse a lot. Uh-huh. Okay. And then the last part is, yes, I, um, I, have, I have the second longest water line. Cape George only has a couple inches more. Oh, the Cape George. So those... oh, okay. Yeah, Kirsten's boat. Kirsten's boat. That's right. Kurt Kirsten. Yep. Pronounce it Kirsten. Kirsten. <laughs> Kirsten Neuschaefer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I finally got to speak to her. She, I've been leaving her messages, and she's ignored me for like two years. <laughs> and then she finally had to ask me a question, and she called me. Uh-huh. I was able to pump her with some information, ask her some information. And yeah. um, I'm much happier with that. So the information she told me, if it has anything accurate, 
is uh, is uh, the, the Chiba again is the better boat. Okay. Yeah. Have you listened to the two interviews I did with her? No, I'm too busy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're good. Yeah, she's she's got some stories. She's got a hell of a lot of experience and. Hmm. Uh, her day job is sailing Cape Horn. Yeah, you know, exactly. <laughs> her, day job, her day job is going to Antarctica. Her day job is going to the Falkland Islands. Yeah, you know exactly. I mean, exactly. I mean, I know Skip Novak. For him to to, to hire her, she is a rock solid skipper. Yeah, exactly. That that you makes know? her a contender in my book. Yeah, no, no, no. She, uh, you know, when you when you, I think I mentioned this to you before the. The quality of the sailors in this race, opposed to 2018, is much better. The preparation in, of the boats is much better. Um, yeah. And it's not taking anything away from, from a, a lot of the other sailors in the other race. It's just that they were more of there for the adventure than they were there because they had the experience to do it. And, we, we, you right. know, we've got a, a mixing of stuff, but we've got some really great races. You know, yeah, um, uh, Damien, the Damien, the French, you know, is basically, you know, a Jean-Luc type at half his age, uh-huh. you know, plus all the professional sponsorships. Uh, Guy Waits, who's been the Clipper ship's captain and uh, skipper, and he's been in the Southern Ocean. Yep. He's going to be really good. Yep. Um, um, Simon, Simon is a younger man, came second in the mini transact. So he's a, he's an excellent skipper. He's already done a, a whole mm-hmm. shitload of solo stuff. He's going to be phenomenal. Yep. Um, heck, who else am I leaving out in the sense of like from the from the records of people that they they've they've done it? Oh, Kirsten, you know. Kirsten, yeah. And Tap- Tapio has already done the race once and is doing it again. Well, okay. I, I didn't add in the 2018, but Tapio, Ian Jones, I think is going to be really really. We've just got a lot of tough a lot of tough sailors. So I think the quality of the sailing is going to keep us a hell of a lot closer than than the last race ever did. Oh, and Abolish is back. So Abolish is now back, and uh, and yeah. with, uh, with with a rustler. Yep. Yep. You know. Uh, so. Oh, and um, are you aware that that Mark Sinclair just just finished the race, finished the 2018 yeah, race? Yeah. So we've got a yeah. we've got a a fifth finisher now, sort of Chichester class, but no, 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 he did great. He did great. You know, yeah. but you know, I'm gonna and I can't wait to meet him. I think he's gonna be an absolute hoot. But you know, he he he, he did it in what 300 days, so that's not a that's not a good run. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, he wasn't. Ex- yeah, not not exactly in the in the fastest boat. Yeah, um, no, Lello, so, Lello 34. I'm sort of confused um, because um, um, uh, uh, the Italian, uh, it was my, my understanding that he was not going to make the start. And then on YouTube, a brand new YouTube video shows up that basically looks like he is going to make the start. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, and and who is this? Have, this is this is someone in in this year's race. Yeah, yeah. Last name's Cantini. It's it's Gato Agudio Gato. You know, and he's also has a yellow thirty four. 
Okay. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm not familiar but with them. Yeah, yeah. He's on. He's on. He's on the. You know, on the Golden Golden Globe page. Mm-hmm. Okay. I was still waiting for Mark Slatt to uh, to show his, put his name back up. Yeah, right, and do it again. <laughs> he just did. I'm uh, pretty sure he still owns his boat. Yeah, I saw that too. He just he's did four, four Ironmans in, in in four days. Can you believe that? Yeah, he's a fucking man. He's an animal. Yeah, I'm not sure he's human. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, he's a Dutchman. I'm Dutch, but you know, he's a third of my age, and uh, or two thirds of my age, I should say. Yeah. I've never been that kind of a runner or swimmer. Yeah, that's pretty um, amazing. One, one Iron Man is amazing enough. Four and four days oh. is superhuman. Right. So anyway. So, so how about um, entertainment or keeping your mind occupied? Are you going to bring any books or anything else like that? Books? Yeah. yeah. I, I did two things. Uh, about three years ago, I went on Facebook and asked for cassettes. And I have huh. about, I don't know, 75 cassettes. And then I huh. went on YouTube, and then I went on Facebook for books. And I have, uh, I'm bringing a book a week, and but some of the books are major novels. Uh-huh. So um, I think I'll be, I'll have enough reading. Good. What, what are some of the books that you're bringing that you're looking forward to reading? Anything comes oh, to mind? Oh, well, books like from my youth, um, uh, James Covell, Shogun, Titan. Books like mm-hmm. that, um, um, Anna Karenna. Mm-hmm. I've asked for, for Tolstoy's uh, War and Peace, but I haven't. No one's given me that yet. Uh-huh. A lot of um, biographies, Lincoln, mm-hmm. Truman, um, uh, Ben Franklin, uh, John Adams. So I got books like that. Mm-hmm. And simple sailing books as well, you know. I mean, I'm bringing in a voyage for Mad Manic once again, and I'm bringing the Matissier's book uh-huh. and, a, and a few other adventure things. I'm uh-huh. bringing a book about uh, Kilroy and his Kiloa book, uh, boat. Mm-hmm. You know, things like that. So, yeah, All reading right. and good music, that's, uh, that's the thing. <clears throat> so I think I'll be entertained. Yeah, I... I um... I spend a lot of time with my Kindle in my hand when I'm sailing. Yeah, I'm not allowed that, but uh, yeah, I know. I carry the book. That's a shame. It's a real shame you don't. You can't bring a Kindle. <laughs> that's uh. Anyway, what do you consider the some of the biggest risks of the race? Well, I guess the biggest risk for someone my age is falling overboard. Uh huh. You know. I'm actually carrying four jack lines. Four. So, yep, yep. Two are outside the lifeline. Really? So outside the lifeline? Have you, have you ever fallen overboard? No. Neither have I, but, but I've spoken to people who have, but you just have to think about the physics. Mm-hmm. Let's say you're on the bow, you fall overboard. Mm-hmm. You're only going to slide as far back as the lifeline stanchion, and then you're going to stop. Mm-hmm. Okay, and either you are young and strong, and hopefully both, you're not going to be able to climb back aboard the boat. Yeah. You fall across from the leeward side, you got a better chance, but when you're my age, and a pacemaker, it's not going to happen. Yep. So, 
I carry I can my I'm I carry three tethers on on my harness. Uh-huh. I carry a six footer and two three footers. Uh-huh. So when I and I'm I haven't te- I haven't tested this yet, but I'm going to test it in, in about a week. So I'm going to actually go overboard, and I'm going to be overboard, and I can't I can't get up over. So you take your three foot tether, you pull up to the outboard light jack line, you hook onto it. And then you release the six footer at the harness. Uh-huh. Where do you go? You go to the back of the boat. Where's your boarding ladder? The back of the boat. Oh, nice. Now the other advantage. Now the other advantage is I have a hydro a hydro vane, right? So yep. the rudder is right there. So I turn the boat. It's not that I can stop it, but I can stall it for a minute, and hopefully get my feet on the ladder and up. Uh huh. Now, I'm going to test that here in the Key West waters where the water temperature right now is about 85 degrees. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And the, and the hydro you know, makes, you know, you can, you, can, you can climb back up on the, um, the arms that hold the hydro vane to the boat, too. Yeah, yeah. But I've, I've got a real stainless steel deep board. You've got a ladder. Nice. That's a great I idea. Know. I like that. So yeah. as long, as, long as you can actually. Well, you share with anybody because I don't want to lose my fellow skipper. But, uh, <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, no, I mean, they've got guys in my race that are using rope ladders, and I'm going, who the fuck do you think you're fooling other than yourself that you're going to scurry up some rope ladder wearing your ski boots or your fall weather gear or, uh-huh. you know. And I'll, I'll kick my ski boots off if I have to, but I'd rather not because I need the fucking thing. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and so, I carry two ski boots. I carry, the you know, an ankle boot plus a full ocean. Uh-huh. And how, how are you going to be able to detach the, the long tether when you said, you know, when you're hanging over the side of the boat, is that going to be an well, easy thing to Because my, my tethers attach at both ends. Right. So you've got a big carabiner at the uh, yeah. at your chest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great idea. I like that. That's one of the that's That's probably the best overboard getting back on board plan I've heard yet. Well, I'm, hey, listen. I know I can't do it. I, I mean, if I go no. overboard, and I can't. I'm, 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 I'm dead. No, it's you know? it's crazy. I, I, I tried uh, climbing back on board. Um, my, I used to have a thirty foot, I do four arpege, much much smaller boat than I have now. And uh, yeah, I know. yeah, and the um, the rails. You know, there's not much freeboard. It's very close to the water. So I figured I could climb back on right. board. So I, I tried. I tried once to just to climb, you know, from the water back onto the deck because I can I could reach the rail. I think you know you think all you gotta do is do a pull up, you know, chin up and climb on. I couldn't do it. Yep. There's something about the curvature of the right. hull that, that just makes it impossible. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So that's, I, great. that's a great idea. And uh, yeah, we're we're sharing it. There's you know two two thousand people are listening to it. Right? You know? No, no, yeah. It's a- <laughs> I think everybody should do it because you're, I mean, even if you got crew aboard the boat and they're down below sleeping, they can't, I mean, well, you might, obviously, if, you, if you've got a, uh, a leather man, you're pounding on the hull, you know, somebody should pay attention. But if they don't, you know, maybe the diesel's running when you go overboard. Yeah, it doesn't take long. <laughs> you know, it doesn't take long in cold water before you can't do anything. Your, your, your body freezes up, you know, just a couple of minutes. Yeah. You know, in cold right. water, it's just a, just a matter of a few minutes, and, you, and you're not you're not doing anything. So I just right. And again, you know, I'm I'm 66 years old, so 
Yep, gotta use you your know, mind. Like, uh, use your head. Yeah, when I was when I was a young kid, I was having, uh, and I mean like 18 years old, I'm having this conversation with a, a sailor friend of mine, and I thought he was old. Like he was probably my age. You know? And mm-hmm. and uh, he was he was talking about you know being in scraps and stuff, and I said, well, well, I mean, heck, man, how, how do you survive fighting a younger man? He says, I got one minute to kill him. <laughs> <laughs> After one minute, he's going to win. And you're just learning if you if you, if you think that way, you know you got to de- you know a friend of a friend of mine is uh, uh, you know an, an old MMA fighter. You uh-huh. know you, you, if you learn the chokes and things like that, you can take a young guy and in 30 seconds he's he's unconscious. Yeah. You know. Yep. So. Well, hopefully you won't need to choke anybody to win the race. No, no, I'm just saying, you know, the same thing. You know, I'm I'm going to be on deck, and I've got, you know, if I'm overboard or i got other things, I'm limited with the time frame that I have to, you know, get something to cover. Yeah. You're right, and you have, you know, you're going to have about one minute, especially in the Southern Ocean, to uh, make things happen. So what, what about... gorgeous down here. Are you are... Hmm? Go, no, go ahead. Go ahead. No, never mind. I'm, go, go ahead. I'm up in, yeah, I'm up in Maine. I, I just heard you say it's gorgeous down here. It's not, it's not okay, gorgeous. I was going to ask. It's not gorgeous here. No, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's foggy. I can't even see. I'm, I'm right next to three beautiful little islands. And uh, right about as soon as I got the anchor down, the fog rolled in yesterday. And I uh, haven't been able to see much, much of them. Uh, no, it's, it's beautiful here when the sun's out. And, um, and it's, and it's really serene, you know, when it's foggy, that's got its own charm too. It's, but it's, uh, and it's kind of chilly. It's in the fifties. Um, uh, I wish it was in the fifties. You know, working down below on my boat. I mean, I got a portable air conditioner and fans going. And a generator I'd, on land. I gladly trade you for a day. Take your. I'll take your eighties and give you my fifties. <laughs> uh, yeah. So what uh, about right. um, what about uh, the killer whales? Attacking your rudder? Uh, are you going to be going through their territory? I'm not going to comment on that. <laughs> okay, you're not going to comment on it. Okay. The whale. I have the a whales plan, aren't listening. but I'm not going to comment on it. Okay. All right. I I, I have a plan. Um, I'm thinking about. I might be going to the Canary Islands after this. Yeah. I thought I thought I would take my hydrovane rudder out out of the water. Um. While I was, well, you I was, could just bring an extra hydrovane. I could bring an extra van uh, rudder, but I don't have one. But I thought I would just just maybe remove it when I was approaching uh, the Canary Islands or wherever I think the, the whales might be, and that way, you know, well, at I least think, they won't I think, take I think that out. Really, within 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 ten miles of the Portuguese coast, I don't think there's anything outside of that. Oh, okay. But uh, I'll but be it, all right then. It's it is it is it is a major issue. Yeah. 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 You know, so, uh, for me, it's a long way to pull by hand. Oh yeah, that is a long way to sail by hand. Now, you know the most interesting thing about these uh, this orca phenomenon is that, for whatever reason, no one has posted a video about it or anything online that I've noticed in twelve months. Oh yeah. So have those whales moved on? Is it something they learned? 
Is it something that they they literally were just that hungry? Because to me, a sailboat's rudder looks like a fin. You know, yeah. and if you were a, orcas attack whales and and they attack them, you know, by uh, by disabling their fins. Oh, okay. Now, is that is that why they were doing what they were doing? Yeah, I I don't know. Yeah, I don't yeah, have I an they, answer for that either. I hope they they learn there's nothing to eat on a sailboat and move on. Well, like I said, it's uh, who knows why they do it. Um, I made a request to Don McIntyre, you know, the promoter of our race, to come up with a waypoint so we would avoid that area. Uh -huh. His response was. Um, uh, no, you as a skipper, you got to determine where you go and the risks that are involved. And I, uh -huh. I accept that. Okay. Yep. Well, what I didn't accept was the next sentence he was is that because he was in with the uh, the 580. Remember, he had his own little 580 yeah. thing. He said, "Oh yeah, I was in, I was a carrier. I was doing eight to ten sailboats with broken rudders because of that." And I I didn't know what to say. You know, um, uh, what if ha what if a quarter of our fleet was disabled? Um, you know, in the first week of the race because of that, that yeah, make a lot of sense to me. No, that wouldn't be cool. That's pretty. That's pretty much. That would be unacceptable. Yeah. So. So I, I so I, I missed. I, I, I kind of missed part of that. Did, did you say that Don said eight eight or ten boats were disabled in his in his race? In his marina while he was there. Oh, in his marina. Yeah. While he was in the Canary Islands. In the Canary Islands. Yeah. You know. Okay. So so those were boats that were traveling from Europe to the Canaries. Well, yeah. I mean, they, they were in the, they were in the area. I, I mean, I didn't didn't ask them. Mm -hmm. So what, what of the race do you think is going to be the most enjoyable? What, when you, when you think about, you know, all the, all the fun you're going to have on these 200 days, what, what do you imagine yourself doing? Uh, what, what, um, what do you think is going to be the well, most I'm fun? I'm not a cruiser. I'm a racer. Uh-huh. So I'm going to enjoy the challenge of racing. Uh-huh. You know, the, uh, uh, you know, it's it's you know, as I you know, racing uh, racing boats boats with crews, you've got a job to do whatever that job is. I'm part of an after guide, so I'm a tactician, I'm a helmsman, I'm a navigator. Uh -huh. You know, here I'm absolutely everything. Yep. And uh, and I'm not a solo sailor, other than the training I've done so far. Mm -hmm. uh, and I plan to fine tune that on my forty one hundred miles of sailing to France from here. Yep. Um, that, um, uh, the challenge of it, you know, uh, the, the, uh, the, the weekly interview from Don, you know, is, is the only information I get. And I don't know totally what information he is going to share when, when, when it comes to, um, you know, where do I stand, so to speak. If you listen right. to the, to the recording from the 2018 race. Sometimes he's a little bit more giving, sometimes he's, he's not, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, he'll give you something, you know, and he's not going to say the way, like, oh, so-and-so is 100 miles to the south of you, and they're going fast, you know. 
Yeah. But uh, he'll, you know, he'll say, you know, hey, you're currently in third place and you're you're doing good or you're doing, you know, and somebody's chomping on their on your heels behind you. Uh huh. But you know, it's a big ocean. <laughs> yeah, it is. And even even if you use the algorithm, like the, how they come up with determining, you know, the rankings of first through whatever, it's an odd way they do it. But you don't know if a guy's five miles over the horizon that you're not seeing, or he's, uh, you know, it's mm-hmm. like when the uh, in the 2018 race when uh, uh, Pecci and Jean-Luc uh, were south of the equator heading to, heading towards Cape of Good Hope, Mark Fox was 400 miles to the west of him. Mm-hmm. You know, he was doing the great the great trade wind route mm-hmm. and expecting it to be good, but he lost. You know, because they they did well. I think they had weather routing, so um, hmm. I, they 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 said it was a misunderstanding of the rules. But that's what that's. I don't think they would have done that without knowing, you know, sailing through the high, what they were doing and why they were doing it. If it wasn't beneficial. Uh huh. So, are you going to be able to anyway. get weather? Um, you're well, we to... now have a weather fax. Yes. Yeah, so are you going to be getting so, weather faxes? Yeah. Yeah. So if the system works. Uh huh. Well, that'll be nice. Yeah. I'll give you some data. Yeah, no, to analyze. So hopefully the weather fax and hopefully single sideband weather works. We have this new GMS, whatever that radio is. It also does weather. You know? Okay. Okay. And uh, so, as long as you pick up all this stuff, and you know, again, the fun of it is analyzing it and implementing it. Mm-hmm. So, oh, I'm, conf- I'm confident in my boat. And uh-huh. I'm confident in my abilities. So, I'm not saying I'm going to win, but I, if, if I don't break the boat, I know I'm going to be competitive. Excellent. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, I, t- I have a question about about a you know technique. Um, you have two spinnaker poles, I noticed. Uh, I saw you yeah. uh, pictures of up your, your jury rig. Oh, it's part of the rules. Yeah. You have to have two? Yep. Okay. For the jury rig. For the jury rig. Besides the jury rig, when would you use two poles? Is there ever a time when you're going to use both at the same time for your sales? Well, I'm being told I've never done this yet myself. I'm being told it's the fastest way downwind without not using your main. To to uh, to do what exactly? Go wing and wing with your two with your two head Okay, two head sails. Both of them pulled out. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, now, have I ever fast. done that before? No. Will yeah. I that on my transatlantic crossing? Yes. All right. All right. Well, what else? Um, what else have I not asked you about that you've been up to that you wanted to talk about? Well, let's see here. I can't really think of anything. I mean, you know, the, the amount of gear that we have to carry is just like mind-boggling and the expense of it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Let's. You let's, know, the, just, yeah. Give us a short list of of some of the strange stuff that you wouldn't otherwise be bringing not, with it's you. It's not strange. I mean. You know, on your person, not that you are going to carry it, but, you know, you've got, uh, 
you got a uh, a a man overboard beacon, Nico. You got an AIS uh, man overboard beacon on you. You've got uh, you know a radio on you. You've got uh, you know, a strobe light. You know, and then you get to the boat. You've got uh, an AI system on the boat plus an AI alarm because the system on the boat will show you to someone else, but you can't see them because you don't have a display. Yeah. So we use this little French thing that's an alarm. So when an alarm goes off, you got to look up the horizon to see, you know, where they are. It doesn't uh-huh. tell you what direction they're coming from. Uh huh. You know, um, you know, there's two satellite phones that. Uh, um, uh, GPS, handheld GPS is that is packed in the life raft and the, uh, and the, and the, just on and on and on and on, you know. Uh, and, and believe me, I know it's, it's I'm going to want it there when I need it. The cost of it just drives up the, the race cost up through the roof. Yeah. And didn't, didn't you have to take a, a class? A class or two. Oh yeah, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. The medical course for me was, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it was almost three thousand dollars, and so traveling there. The safety uh-huh. course, I had to go up to uh, New York Maritime, uh-huh. so got to go to New York um, for that. Um, you know, just everything. It just never, it just never ends. The amount of gear is just, you know, mind-boggling. Yeah. Yeah, it looks like it. So, you know, but that's uh, that's 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 the story. That's what we're working on here, and and hopefully we'll uh, I'll have it all put to bed in just about ten 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 to fourteen days, and I'll be sailing off. Sailing off to Lasad Balloon, huh? What's your uh, what's your route going to look like from between? Well, as I said, I'm going to Charleston. Yep. Going to Charleston. I'm dropping off. Um, Bert Olinger, who's been my lead volunteer and helper and friend, mm-hmm. and then I'll, I'll sail north of Bermuda and uh, close to the Azores and into the Bay of Biscay. All right. So well, that's, be... that's my deal. All right. Great. So um, last time we talked, you said you might be able to call. Uh, you have a satellite media call once a week. You're allowed to do, and, and maybe you know, we can we can yeah. put that together. Yeah, but we can we can we can check on that. That'd, that'd be pretty neat. I have yeah. to check to see if uh, if they consider you media. I mean, you, you right. You and I have no relationship, so to speak. You've got an audience, so I'm sure it would be. My only request is that you share it with my newspaper, so they can write it. Well, my newspaper and my and the radio station I work on, so that we can uh, put it up, and it's. It's a it's a very structured call. It's ten yeah. minutes. Yeah. Um, oh, that'd be fun. And, uh, yeah, and I'll, just I'll certainly share. We just can't over. talk about anything relevant to the race. Just like you know, how am I doing with it? How am I, you know, things right, that I involve my life here. Right. I can't be giving you your your GPS coordinates and the and we're, until you where all the other right. competitors yeah. are and yeah. tell you That's tell you to go yeah. to go north a little bit to get the better yeah. wind. <laughs> so being in France, I'll have all that information. And, cool. and, uh, and then um, if it doesn't work out, then we can just give you, you know, uh, you can inquire with us and they, they can give you the recording that I made, you know, and you can, you know, put it into your system anyhow as you like to do it. So sure. We'll get it all worked out. Cool. Happy to do it. Yeah, that'll be fun. 
All right, Paul, All right. stay warm in Maine. Oh, yeah, well, I'm inside the boat with four layers on and a hat, so all's well. <laughs> <laughs> All right, buddy, you take care. All right, see you later, guy. Thanks for, uh, right, thanks for the interview. Bye. Oh, my pleasure. Bye. Thanks for listening, everybody. Hope you enjoyed that one as much as I did. As always, I'll have links and photos on the podcast show notes page at paultrammell.com slash podcast. This one is season six. Um, I want to thank my sponsors, Royal Robbins Clothing. Thank you to them for their support for the podcast. They make my favorite clothes. And thank you to Hydrovane for their support. They make the Windvane Autopilot that I have on the back of Windflower, my sailboat. And thank you to all of the patrons who support through Patreon. If you are a regular listener, please consider supporting through Patreon. You can find a link to Patreon at the bottom of every page of my website, paultrammel.com. Patreon supporters get access to bonus content that I put on the Patreon site. And one of the things I have on there is the entire book, The Gold Box, my, my latest novel, The Gold Box. I've read it, recorded it, and you can access that. Uh, at my Patreon site if you are a supporter. You can also support the podcast by buying any of my books. Uh, Like I said, my latest is called The Gold Box. I also recently wrote a second book about sobriety called The Joy of Living Clean and Sober. I've written three sailing nonfictions, Becoming a Sailor, Journey to the Ragged Islands, and Chasing the Nomadic Dream. And my first book, how I got started writing, I was writing about quitting drinking, and that book is called Alcoholics Not Anonymous, A Modern Way to Quit Drinking. All of my books can be found at Amazon or links on my website, paultrammel.com slash books. When I recorded this episode, I was still in Maine, but while when you are listening to it, when it airs, I will probably be in Newfoundland. If you want to follow my adventures, you can find me on Instagram at trammel.paul, and I also post videos on YouTube, and my channel there is simply called Paul Trammel. If you would like to become a sponsor of the podcast, you can find my email address on my website, paultrammel.com. You can also get in touch with me through Instagram Messenger, trammel.paul is my handle there. Windflower could certainly use new sales, uh, always could use new hardware, new lines, uh, foul weather gear, electronics, anything like that. All right, folks, thank you for listening. Until next time, happy sailing and peace out.